Hey, hello. How are you? This is a show for everyone else. Instead of going after top 1% of the world, we dedicate this podcast to celebrate the lives of the unsung heroes and self-made artists. I need to interact with you in a way that exposes you to a different kind of thinking about yourself so that you make your own change so you change your life. I'm not going to do that. Like a coach should call you out for that and help you work through changing your perspective so you can be honest with yourself about a better path. The lack of desire to get uncomfortable gives you the easiest answer of no. The easiest thing you can do is not to change, not it is not to look into it, not to challenge yourself. That doesn't make it any better. And eventually, you're not going to have a choice. Probably 40, 45% of the book is very personal stuff that's happened to me that I've dealt with, that I've struggled with. My relationship with my mother, my relationship with my wife, with my sister, with my coworkers. Like, I'm telling you here, like, this is where I screwed up. It's not about what they did or didn't do, it's about what I can do differently to elicit a different outcome, regardless of who I think is at fault or not. We all go through stuff. Everybody has a backstory, no matter whether it's better or worse than someone else's, or I went through a tougher time than you did or any of that. Like, that doesn't matter. We all go through what we go through, and that leaves little footprints on us along the way. And it wires our brain and our emotional interactions in certain ways. There is no such thing as someone who has everything. It's also a bit of like beauties in the eye of the beholder is, well, what's complete to you may not be complete to me. Because we're incomplete and we're looking for different things from different people. And that's why, like, you need everyone. Hey, check, check. It's Faye and I'm back. I am so thrilled that you're listening to this, no matter where you are. Today, we welcome Brian Fulchuk to our interview format of Face World, in addition to some of the mini series that you've been seeing on how to freelance and how to produce your DIY documentary. So Brian is here with us, and he is an author, speaker, and life coach. I know we have a number of those uh, on the show right now. And in case you don't believe that life coaching could be a career, well, guess again and check out some of these incredible conversations. Brian was introduced to me, by the way, through Michael O'Brien, who's also a coach. Michael appeared on our Face World podcast, and he is the author behind the book called Shift, Creating Better Tomorrows, Winning at Work and in Life. By the way, Michael recently released a short workbook called My Last Bad Day Shift, which I have a copy of uh, as well. So here's the thing. Often people ask me about what motivates me to keep producing these episodes. And I find myself constantly transformed by conversations I have with different people every day. I am not often changed by those 30-second ads with the listicles, meaning, you know, 10 things to change your lives and guaranteed on the internet that the promise all the results and one roadmap that will suit and guarantee the results for everyone. 
If I could, I would share so much more than what I have currently on Face World. It's often very difficult to select the guests we have on the show, and it's even tougher to have to say no to so many others. But selfishly, I created this show for me as a reflection and a little journal, a different kind of journal I keep along the way of my own becoming. Brian and I wanted to get to know each other a bit before the show, before our interview, so we spent an hour and a half at a local Panera Bread. I wish I get to do this with every single new guest. That's when I discovered that we have several family connections since we both live in Massachusetts, so small world. Hey, if you're listening to this and you're an up-and-coming influencer, author, who are seeking to be interviewed by others, there's one trick I learned from Brian which is to create a media document, like a little media kit in the form of a PDF or Google Doc, where you, as the person to be interviewed, can include your photos, um, questions that can that can be very provoking or suggestions that you can send to the interviewer, as well as your bio, et cetera. This way, you've done some of the homework already for the host, and the interview could go a lot more smoothly as a result. If you visit phaseworld.com, I include a copy of Brian's media doc as an example. I'm sure that will make him very proud. Brian faced many adversities and learned some of the really hard lessons growing up. After speaking with Brian in person, it reminded me once again that we really cannot assume anything about anyone. There is very little we think we know about life and everyone around us. I told Brian that my first impression of him was, okay, Caucasian male, good-looking, in good shape, what has he really struggled or learned in life? He struggled with obesity and became a marathon runner. He struggled with his careers and later became a CXO, by the way, that is a chief experience officer. He even experienced life-threatening illness in his family, and he nearly lost his wife while trying to also take care of their newborn son. He's been through a lot in order to create and develop his unique approach to inspire other people. So before we get started with the interview, I want to let you know that podcasting has really helped me. Nearly five years in the work at this point, I learned to get paid to do what I love. I made friends with extraordinary people. I created business network and transport my ideas around the world in my sleep. So if you want to know and find out how I did that and I'm still doing that, please visit phaseworld.com and there is a workbook that you can download called How to Make a Living as a Podcaster Without Counting the Downloads. So without further ado, please welcome Brian Fulchuk to the Phaseworld podcast. jump in and say, number one, that you've been on, I think you said something like 120 podcasts. This is like 152. You are Not counting. Yet, but yeah, yeah I, I started because I had to track for a different reason and then I couldn't stop. I'm a big like track it person. What is the most, well, you know, one or two most frequently asked questions during your podcast? Do you find, I mean, what do you recall? There's I mean, there's two really broad ones. One is like, you know, where's the story behind Do A Day? How did you arrive at that? Um, Which is 90% of what I end up like. Um, And then the other, like a quick one is like, is your wife still alive? Because sometimes I forget. We, it's something I forget, but like the story goes down a path and I don't come back to that. I did ask that as well. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So yeah, and then it's like, how do you... 
how do you put this into action? Or like, how would you actually make this work in your life? A little bit of give us the workbook answer. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't really work that way. Interesting. You know, it's not just like answer this one question, spits out an answer, add it to the next answer, and then you have your life purpose. Like it's not, it's not that programmatic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I find it really fascinating because I don't know how long you've been a coach. I mean, do you mind give us a sense? I know you're a coach, you're a podcaster, or you're a writer. I've been coaching for since 2011. And the writing and the writing started in like end of 2015 is when I started working on Do A Day. I'd done blogs and stuff before then, but not not like this. And then uh, the podcast came out almost almost exactly a year ago. It was like a year and, and a week. But I've been doing appearances since uh, like April of 2016. No, 2017, um, when the book came out. So it was like starting a couple of weeks after the book launched which I should have timed it the other way around, like started the shows before the book, but I learned. That's kind of what I find interesting because all of us have our own journey and it's so much better to do something, to start something than not to start it and you know, coming up with all, those, uh, all of these excuses. And so for you, it sounded like coaching, book and podcast, which is, this is the first time for me to hear anyone say that. And you know, for myself, it's like, you know, podcast, starting my own business, you know, and then I'm, I'm not exactly a coach. I call myself a mentor sometimes. And They're different, different roles. Coaching. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think mentor, how are they different in, in your, in your universe? I think, um, mentors can be more of a guide, lead by example, be a guide, be someone to come to for advice. And it's not that a coach can't do those things, but a coach should be there to challenge you to guide and lead yourself. So a coach should be, you know, working through issues with you, but then pointing out where maybe you could serve yourself different or call out where you're not being honest with yourself. I mean, I had a really good coaching call yesterday and it was a bit of that. It's just sort of like, you know, a guy was talking a lot about regret and, and um, regretting his behavior. And I was like, you know, you got to stop on that one. Like, why why are you regretting your behavior? Why are you talking about, I only did this? Like he's talking about his revenue and how he feels like a failure. He's, he's uh, an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I was like, do you understand how many businesses would kill to do that much business? He's like, but it's less than last year. I'm like, okay. But so like, you're looking at it as less than and not good enough and you're a failure. How about like, there were all these headwinds and you still got to this super enviable position. You're still standing you know, despite all these other things you're dealing with, it's like, you're looking, it's the same issue. You're just looking at it from the wrong side. And then you beat yourself up and you go down, like you spiral down this path. Like a coach should call you out for that and help you work through changing your perspective. So you can be honest with yourself about a better path. How easy or how difficult challenging do you find to kind of influence someone and really make people change their minds? And because we're all dealing with adults here, you know, like what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So when you said make people change your mind, I think that's, that's the trick is I'm never going to make someone change their mind. And when I recognized and accepted that, that's when I think I was able to do a better job. So I'm a management consultant by background. And um, I struggled in my early days with, I'm, I'm a very like tell style. So it's like, I'm going to tell you what the answer is and you're going to accept it and that's going to be great. But that doesn't work for most people. Certainly not some successful person who's like at the top of their game. It's really hard to take advice from someone else when you think that you're amazing at things. And But I, I had trouble accepting that. And once I realized like, I'm not going to tell them what their mind should be. 
I need to help them see the answer for themselves. Stylistically, that's been really successful for me is not trying to change their mind. Like I, I need to interact with you in a way that exposes you to a different kind of thinking about yourself so that you make your own change. So you change your life. I'm not going to do that. It's so true. And I think even it's the same case with kids. I mean, people are only willing to change once they, they come to the realization of that they, they needed that, they wanted that themselves. And recently I was uh, in a conversation with friends and I thought the most strategic question, I thought about the way I approach the question is how do we change the situation? How can I help you to change the situation? And the woman very gently said to the person, do you want to change this? And then I saw that split second of a hesitance of, uh, you know, the person thinking about like, not a yes or no, but just not quite sure if he really thought it through yet. Like he's not sure if he fully wants it, you know? And, and then that's like such a, a moment of maturity for me, to be honest. They're like, oh, I really should know better. I mean, this is not up to me, you know? Well, and if they jump on the yes, you know, it's like, so I, my next book is about relationship problems. So in coaching people where they're struggling with their spouse or their coworker or an employer or whatever, it's like, you know, if I ask them, like, do you want this to change? Like, oh, yeah. Because it's like the wrong answer to say that you don't want it to change. Why wouldn't you want it to like you? Sh if you're complaining about it or you're saying it's not working, you should want it to change. But so then the next question is what gets them is if they jump on it, I'm always like, why? And that's where a lot of them pause and like, I, because I'm supposed to, because it's this isn't good. I was like, okay, I understand it's not good, but what could it be? Like you should you should want to change this thing for what it could be, not for what it stops being now. Like looking at it from the other side. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting that you say yes. Exactly the moment you say someone jumps on the answer yes. Sometimes it, not to call them fake or in, inauthentic, but sometimes that's not fully processed and. And I also, I notice also in my experience when people jump on the answer of no, and they are, they immediately want to give up certain responsibility. They don't want to sign up for anything. They don't want to sign up for advice, next steps, but at the same time, they don't want to be judged either. I said no, but I don't want you to keep dying. Yeah. <laughs> no is, to me, no usually either means I don't actually understand. And, and as a follow-up, I'm not willing to find out. So like you see it in business where like the compliance team or the legal team or regulatory, like whatever, their, their answer to a lot of things that a lot of companies is no. It's because it's a complex new problem that they're facing and they've never dealt with it before. And so the risk aversion and the, I was gonna say the desire not to do something, but the, the lack of desire to get uncomfortable gives you the easiest answer of no. The easiest thing you can do is not to change not to address it is not to look into it not to challenge yourself that doesn't make it any better and eventually you're not gonna have a choice you know and one thing I, I learned just by talking to you you know you have a young young son still and he was very little in 2011 and uh and you've been together with your wife I don't want to call it an extended marriage, but given that most marriages end after, I think within five years or some crazy stats. We've been um, together for 15 years now. 15 years. So how, I mean, looking through your relation, not to make this overly personal, but um, what do you think are some of the things that people don't talk about, but actually helps strengthen their relationship on, on a day-to-day, -day, on a regular basis, you know, as opposed to a big gift at the end of the year, going on a vacation? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Gifts don't strengthen relationships. They might buy you a little time, but they don't strengthen the relationship. They're not bad, but that's like, if you have a problem, buying someone a piece of jewelry does not fix the problem. Um, vacations and experiences could. They could also make it worse. Uh, <laughs> they could force you into, into those conflict positions. And if you're not in a place where you know how to handle them or work through them, then yeah, vacation is not going to help. But sometimes having that separation from the day to day, hopefully in something calm and enjoyable, then yeah, that could actually set you up for removing whatever the agitation is to be able to address. What I have found from people who've either read do a day or gotten a snippet of 50, 75, 100 is I might be a coach, but I'm not perfect. And everything does not, it's like, you know, you read, do a day and it's about overcoming these challenges. And I had this serious battle with anxiety and it played out as obesity and, and all these other things. It's like, I'm not done now. It's not like, oh yeah, I'm good. I never, like, I don't sweat anything. I, you know, I never gain a pound. Like I still face things all the time. I have moments where um, I am still overcome by my anxiety. I'm just aware of it. And I know what to do to stop it from completely derailing the train for years, which is what would have happened before. Um, so that's what's different is I think for me, and I, I do get really personal, like do a day is probably 40, 45% of the book is very personal stuff that's happened to me that I've dealt with that I've struggled with 50, 75, 100, same thing. It's like my relationship with my mother, my relationship with my wife, with my sister, with my coworkers, like I'm telling you here, like this is where I screwed up. It's not about what they did or didn't do. It's about what I can do differently to elicit a different outcome, regardless of who I think is at fault or not. And I think being personal and vulnerable is the key to that. And that's for relationships too. Like the hardest thing, shockingly, for a lot of us in our relationships is that vulnerability. And I, I'm not sure how you can fully trust people when they're not being vulnerable because they're guarded about something. And that's a basis to not trust. It's like, you're keeping something from me. Now, it doesn't mean I have to know it, but the fact that you've made a decision to withhold from me or that you're uncomfortable sharing a piece of you with me, especially in our closest relationships, that to me is, um, it's a basis for dysfunction. Even if you just acknowledge it and you say, hey, you know, this is really tough for me. I'm struggling with something. I'm not at a place where I'm ready to talk about it yet. Even that is progress against like, denying there's even something that's not coming out because you know often there is and often we aren't ready to talk yet or maybe we don't even understand it ourselves why do you think it's some couples young or old find it really they struggle to really open themselves up to each other and to to undershare you know these information what what i found is um no matter how green the grass looks it's not green anywhere I would say like, it's only green if you garden. But by that, I mean, like, we all go through stuff. Everybody has a backstory, no matter whether it's better or worse than someone else's, or I went through a tougher time than you did or any of that. Like, that doesn't matter. We all go through what we go through. And that leaves little footprints on us along the way. And it wires our brain and our emotional interactions in certain ways. So we get stubborn about some things and we withhold about others. And we have trouble trusting in specific themes. Like some people... If you've been cheated on, it can be really hard to trust that that won't happen again, even though one person has nothing to do with the other. Um, unless there's something in how you were selecting people and who you're attracted to. And like, you know, there could be dynamics about it. And so 
everybody's been hurt at some point in their life, maybe multiple times, maybe once, often by people closest to us. Um, you know, the, in the work I do and the podcasts I've been on or the people I've had on mine, like so many of the conversations are about these childhood situations that leave an impact. And you see how it plays out and it can play out positively. Like it could turn them into this incredibly strong and supportive person. It's like I always say, if you look at people who grew up the children of alcoholics or abusers, you typically see a really strong split in their paths where either they end up behaving similarly, maybe it's similarly, but with a different theme. So they're not an alcoholic, but they're abusing something else. Or you see them like vehemently standing against it. They won't touch a drop of alcohol or they won't do that, like totally different views on it. Uh, and it's like, I see it across the board. I see it with like promiscuity and cheating to abuse, to like physical abuse, to sexual abuse, to um, substance abuse. Like it really runs the gamut of how people who are exposed to that as little children split. And that defines how we are. And so that could mean, you know, if I was hurt by someone in my family, I may be less likely to choose to, choose to trust the people in my the family I've created as an adult. Or maybe there's certain things that trigger me to behave a certain way from my childhood that maybe I'm not even aware of because it just was, it was reality growing up. I was never like, oh, this is different. It's just what you grew up with. So you're not aware of it. And you find yourself or others find you triggered, even if you're not aware of it. And the thing is, we all bring those to the party. Um, we're all interacting with them. And what we don't do usually is stop to understand that about ourselves or our partners to see how we can fit together. Hey, it's Faye, and this is Face World. Today, I'm having a super fun conversation with Brian Fulchek, who is an author, speaker, and life coach. Brian speaks to many challenges he has experienced as a child and adult, from obesity to life-threatening illness in his family while raising a young son, and how eventually he developed an approach and system to inspire others to succeed. And it's interesting that we... Kind of, there, there are a lot of common themes we experience on the everyday basis. And for that reason, I feel like literally, I, I really mean it when I say this, there are not enough coaches in this world. I know so many people see this career as this, you know, oh my God, that's like a fantasy world. How could I possibly freelance as a coach and write these books and expect people to come to me? But at the same time, that's literally what we experience. I think my, the most recent experiences I've had uh, through my all my dance classes, as I mentioned when we first started the recording, is I meet these men and women, mostly women, and a lot of these women really seem quite perfect. And in class, right, they're where they're we're going to this relatively fancy gym. Everything is spot, spotless inside the gym, and uh, these women wear their Lululemons and they're very fit. They all have children. They look like they've never been pregnant and hair, everything. And and yesterday, it was like really touching for a moment. What they love, I'm like, oh man, you're so fit. I was just wondering, what do you eat? You know, as, since the age of 30, oh, I think about it as how to stay the same weight or be like 10 pounds lighter. It gets really tiring. And she lift up her shirt, like very briefly. She's like, I've got two kids and these loose skins ain't going to go anywhere. And I just remember, I'm like, 
I was really surprised she was willing to do that. And, and it isn't, you know, people is, of course, people are like, what about plastic surgery? It's like, ah, oh, it's not safe. And then all the other women kind of chimed in that that's just what you can see. The women who have gone through all kinds of fertility treatments, how they, what they suffer through IVF. Um, you don't know any of these no. things. Yeah. But we pass judgment or, or we look at them in the, in the midst of those treatments. They're so like, oh, she got fat. What happened? No, she didn't. She's trying to create a family and she's struggling and she's getting help. But you just yeah. her for that. Yeah, exactly. Those hormonal treatments are crazy. They're over, they were telling me to overstimulate your ovary. And then worse, yeah, some people, some women experience kidney failures. I'm like, why would women do that to themselves? Because they want to, you know, give lives to their own children. And a lot of that's from social pressure because other people have children because the grandparents want to have kids. And it's not just what Since they want they for themselves. Girls, like yeah. Made to feel that since they were little girls. Yeah, like you're supposed to raise yeah. children and create yeah. lives. Yeah. And, and most of us don't see adoptees around. Like there are tons of them. You may not be aware, or there's still more biological kids than adopted kids. And so it's not, you're not as comfortable with that. Like if that's not the white picket fence, suburban home kind of vision that so many people are fed from early age. I came to realize, you know, sometimes when you open yourselves up and you become, um, you you build very different relationships right off the bat. And it's a really incredible thing. And you break that, those walls down, those barriers down. And just felt like it was, in, it was just incredible for me to be in the middle of all those conversations, right? And I love what you wrote about self-love. And it's a question, an area you talk about. And I think it's so lacking in the world today on, on various levels. And I think people who are the most defensive, sometimes the most hurtful are the ones who are, you know, most hurt themselves. And, and, and whether you as a, another human being, whether choose to help them or not. So what are your definition and sort of your thinking around self-love? Yeah. So I think, I think it's the single most important thing that any of us actually has. Because without this, I think the rest of the stuff I talk about, you know, even like the introspection, all, with, without self-love, all that's actually worthless. And I don't usually talk that dismissively. But my point in that is like without self-love, you end up fighting everything else. Because you either don't think you deserve whatever the positive outcome is because you don't value yourself to begin with. So why would you deserve better? Or you don't think you're capable of it. So all those like, I can't get through this. This is the hardest thing ever. I'm not going to make it. Well, like, what about all those times you did make it? Why don't you value that? Why don't you recognize what you're capable of? Um, and so people get really squeamish at the idea or they think it's too touchy. I, I had a, a coaching prospect who didn't want to work with me once I talked about self-love because he's a tough guy. You know, he's from Boston. He's got like the heavy Boston accent. He's like, ah, don't talk to me about all that hippie stuff. But it's, you know, he, it was too much of a challenge to his self-identity. And the reality is like, after that call with him, I was like, that's someone who needs it the most because he's put on all this toughness on the outside because he's so um, unsettled with himself on the inside. So like it, it, whether you want to call it something else, valuing yourself or respecting yourself, that's fine. But it's about those two things. It's about believing that you deserve and believing that you're capable don't think you deserve it and you're not capable of it, then the rest of it really doesn't matter. I must say that 
just hearing you talk about this, I, I realize I, I all of a sudden make me think about all the men in my life for different purposes and, and reasons, and not obviously not just romantic relationship. Yeah, I realize I'm very drawn and very um, I get along really well with men who have a little bit more feminine energy, and uh, who is more. When I say that, it's like a almost I feel like it's a false definition, and it, it because for lack of a better word, I call it. I, I think it just, uh, you know, they're way more warm, attentive, and they, they listen better. And on the contrary, I've also, because of, you know, nearly 20 years of martial arts, I've also befriended with a lot of people who are your typical alpha male. And in every situation, they don't have to scream, but they make all the decisions for you. They tell you what's going on and they will not, you know, spare another word if they feel like they don't have to. So it's been... You know, it's been challenging for me to deal with those relationships, to be honest. And you know, yeah, and but they're they're in a specific category of your life, and they wouldn't cross over into others because you recognize that, like, ultimately, like that's fine in this context, but probably not compatible in this other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's the kind of the kind of man that you would bring closest to you. You know, trending towards like uh, or tending towards a, a romantic relationship versus like that's someone I do martial arts with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, in our current modern world, you know, you're supposed to only have one person that you refer to in a romantic relationship, but that's only one person. What? And I'll, I'll be curious to kind of hear your ideas on uh, when it comes to relationships, you know, in modern world, like all these cheating and, and, and people looking for part of themselves elsewhere. Um, but for me, you know, I'm really happy where I am. And I think about my relationship with other men and women are in many other areas of my life. And then I think because of that, I'm happier, I'm more fulfilled because I don't look for everything in one person. And I know that I'm incomplete in the sense that there are so many other things I want to learn about myself and to explore and to learn from other people. I think of them as people I want to do business with, people I want to coach, mentor one day, people want to coach and mentor me one day. Like There are many roles that could be filled in addition to romantic relationship. Yeah. I, I love when you just say like you're incomplete. Everybody's incomplete because what like there is no such thing as someone who has everything. And it's also a bit of like beauties in the eye of the beholder is well, what's complete to you may not be complete to me. Cause we're incomplete and we're looking for different things from different people. And that's why like you need everyone. It's like a, my my father-in-law does um he works on heating systems. And so, you know, he goes into someone's house and they're a lawyer or a doctor or whatever. And sometimes he's gotten like judgment from them about being less than, you know, like they have all these advanced degrees and they're really successful and he's just the heating guy. And it's always like, yeah, and it's going to be negative 10 tonight. And you <laughs> system like we all need each other. So it's we're all incomplete in different ways. And that's you need to understand that. So, you know what you need to fill in. It's so true. And it's not just a heating guy, right? We all have, I mean, these people possess skills that we never will have, uh, not willing to learn or simply won't be able to learn. And so what are your, I mean, I'm curious, like I had several guests, all men, not women, which is sad. I need to get another woman to talk about these things. Uh, but several men volunteered to talk about love, relationships, their personal relationships. One guest who opened up about that the fact that he and his wife, gorgeous wife, not having sex anymore 10 years ago. but And he broke it down and said how they fix it. I was just like, 
oh my God, I didn't expect this. And I actually spoke to his wife, who's absolutely lovely, also a, a coach. And another gentleman, uh, after making his $15 million, who's still only 30 years old, said, Faye, is it okay if I talk about sex? I'm like, sure. All right, go for it. And then, you know, transition to self-love. So, you know, like, what are your, I wonder, I mean, without naming names, uh, most certain that you're working with people who's struggling, who are struggling in their personal relationships or a lot of the people that I know struggle with, you know, so their self-identity and, uh, you know, that they're not fully satisfied or happy in their long-term relationships as in, in their marriages. And because like we are supposed to be, you know, always faithful and we're supposed to get everything from this one person that we, ch- we chose. <laughs> Do you face a lot of that? Yeah. It, um, I'm just sort of running through my head various people that I'm working with and where they're at with that. I think the thing you just said about we're supposed to get everything from this one person that we chose. I do think we're supposed to get everything from this one person, but it's us. Yeah. Yeah. Have to be. And I mean, it sort of goes against the point we're just saying about like we're all incomplete and we need each other. Yes, we do in society, but you need to complete yourself. You have to feel content with yourself because that's the only thing you always have. And as I reflect on various people that I coach, and I don't, I don't work with anyone in one vacuum of their life because I don't think that's reality. Pretty much everyone comes to me for a thing, like my weight, my career, my this, my that. And it's like, that's awesome. I almost don't care. Like I do. I don't mean to sound crass, but like your life is holistic. You can't separate like, I'm just having trouble at work and everything else is perfect. So we're not going to talk about that. Or I had someone who came to me about weight loss and she struggled with it since a very particular age. And so that's like a laser focus for me. Like what happened at age like 12 or whatever it was. I'm not willing to talk about that was her answer. And I'm like immediately like, okay, there's, there's a trauma story around that age. And while I can sit here and presume things in my mind, like, I don't know what it is, but if she's not willing to talk about it, then we're not going to make any progress. And we had a great conversation and I gave her some general tips, but ultimately I was like, so where this is at for me is that moment you talked about where everything changed. Like you do need to get to a place where you can talk about it. And I understand why you're not comfortable with that, but I would suggest these two or three ways, you know, this kind of person to go see or whatever, Because until you address that, it will continue to have power over in this and other domains in your life. So the reason is because of how it makes her feel about herself. And from there, her ability or inability to trust others, to feel safe, to, you know, all these things. So as I look at all the people that I'm coaching, where it's like, where do their relationships stand? Even the ones who have great relationships you'll hear them talk about, I'm failing her or him because, and it's like, you know, and it hurts me because she loves me so much, but there's still this negative sentiment, even if it's a great relationship. And it, in every single case, there's a lack of self-love. There's a lack of feeling content with yourself. And so then there's an outward portrayal into that relationship in some problematic way. So I see that really consistently. And some people will act out in trying to feel better by seeking it with others or many others, or they will just swear everyone else off because they're so miserable even with themselves. They're unlikable by anybody else or undesirable. So yeah, I mean, I, I see it play out every single way. I do think infidelity, I'm, I'm on like, 
that split in the spectrum. I'm hardcore, like that's a complete and utter no for me. Um, I don't accept or understand or I might know why it happened, but I'm never okay with it. Um, but you do see a really consistent theme of why it happened. And it always goes back to insecurity and the, the actor. It's not just about that person who they desired so much in addition to the person that they had already chosen and didn't care for anymore. There's a reason why everything's moved. Um, so I do see that really consistently. That's so fascinating that you get to uh, to talk to so many different people and uh, and realize, I think it, in many ways, I'm not sure if you feel the same way, I think it helps you too. It fuels you in a, in a positive way. Granted, there's still going to be you know, sure, some negative energy, but you get to learn so much more. You hear these stories and maybe help put things in perspective for your own life. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I mean, um, so I, I mentioned like I was working with my editor today on my next book and he wanted me to add an origin story for what sparked writing the book. And it started with, I mean, my own relationship with my wife. And then it, I started in my coaching work to recognize the same patterns. And so the things I was learning with my wife, I was able to apply for them. And I was like, there's, there's something more, there's a story here. But it took those coaching sessions for me to see that like, oh, it's not just us. It's not just me and her or me and these, like, this is, this stuff helps universally. So I was like, there's something to this. So yeah, it's, it, it's been really uh, a huge growth engine for me is health, helping other people. Aside from just feel like I come off these calls just so energized because I, that's what I want to do. Like I want to impact people and, and help them to turn their own lives around and then have those tools themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even when you're not there. And yeah, especially when I'm not there. Yeah. yeah. I want to talk to you briefly, ask a question about the veganism. I real I yeah. didn't realize you're a vegan. Oh yeah. 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 So, and you said you're able to do that in one day. You made the decision, you switched. And how long ago was this and what happened? January, 2015. Um, I was reading an autobiography of this guy, Rich Roll, this vegan ultra endurance athlete. Oh yeah, like, his podcast is great too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm obsessed with Rich Roll. He's, he's incredible, but I, I owe him a lot. Like he's given me um, a lot of thoughts to ponder and to push myself on. And so reading this book and he just sort of is like, why haven't you done this yet? Like, you don't really have any excuses. And I always had excuses. I was curious, but I was like, oh, I can't. Like, what about this business trip or my son's birthday or this or that? And I was like, yeah, you know what? I don't have any excuses to just do it tomorrow. I said out loud, I was like, I can do a day. Like, I'll just do it for one day. And that's when Do A Day got its name. Um, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, so 2015. I, yeah. So I just kind of let go of um, fighting the idea just for a day. Like I'm not, I don't have to never eat these things for the rest of my life. I just said I'd do it tomorrow. So I will wake up and I will do that and we'll see how it goes. And then I'll evaluate the next day, but I'm not doing every day right now. So I did it and it was way easier than I had been eating. I was doing the slow carb diet, following Tim Ferriss and the four hour body. And like it worked, but it was so exhausting to have to like, just scrutinize the heck out of everything. Yeah that are healthy that I was like, oh, I can't have a grapefruit because the sugar content's too high, even though it's like super healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was easy. And then it was like, I can do the next day. And it's been since then. And, and I'm not 100% vegan 100% of the time. I'm 100% vegan high 90 something percent of the time. There are situations where I will make a decision and be like, for this reason, I'm willing to 
to break from veganism. Like my son's birthday was one of the things I was held up. He's like, daddy, I want you to have a piece of cake. So it's like, you know what? I'm not going to be like, no, that's a like, that's <laughs> like, you know what, buddy? Like I'll have a bite of the cake with you. Cause you want to have that with me. Or like, you know, someone had us over for dinner and they went out of their way to accommodate me. Or so they thought they're like, yeah, I got this frittata recipe. So I made you this. I'm like, that's all eggs. They're like, and there's no cheese in it. And like, that's awesome. But I don't beat myself up for it. I understand why. And I make sure I understand that really clearly. So I know how I'm going to make the decision the next time I face it, you know, and then there's other things I don't eat or I don't like, I, I used to be way hooked on diet Pepsi, would ever know. But I'm like, you know what? There's a ton of chemicals in that. And I work so hard to keep my body clean of those things. And I have some issues with my liver. That's like, why would I ask my liver to process that? When I'm also like dealing with all these flights and not sleeping enough and I want to keep exercising and like there's a great river that I want to go for a run along. Like I make those decisions for myself in those moments and I feel good knowing I have the right structure and basis and self-love to make the choice for myself and be comfortable with myself for those choices. Yeah, I, I love that. Well, thanks for breaking that down. Hey, it's Faye, and this is Face World. Today, I'm having a super fun conversation with Brian Fulchek, who is an author, speaker, and life coach. Brian speaks to many challenges he has experienced as a child and adult, from obesity to life-threatening illness in his family while raising a young son, and how eventually he developed an approach and system to inspire others to succeed. I realize there's one question that I we typically ask people who are coaches, entrepreneurs, is um, many of the people we interviewed weren't born as coaches. I don't know if anybody, um, you know, is. So uh, what are, you know, for you to go from McKinsey consult, you know, business consulting to working in insurance companies, I believe 20 years or so, you know, and this life event happened. And I, what was it? Um, what was easy and really difficult about starting your own business as a coach? And, you know, for people who are actively pursuing that career, we simply just want to learn more. What do you think are some of the things you wish you knew going into it? That's a, that's a really tough question. Cause I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I've ever been structured enough as like a corporation approach to it. To, like there's, there's so much out there about how to do it. And like, you need these social media tools and this pricing structure and this, this click funnel. And I'm, I'm not cut that way. And I know there's a lot of success in doing that. That's just not who I am. So for me, it's been a very organic and personal approach. I got into coaching because people saw me transform on the back of my wife's illness and how that helped me face myself to change. So it was super organic and just kind of fell into it. Friends reached out and they're like, you look amazing. Like you're doing all these things. I'm really struggling in a similar way. Do you think you could help me? Like, what, what are you doing? Can we talk? So I naturally fell into, into coaching through doing that. And I've always kept it as a side hustle. Um, and there comes a point where it's like, is this just a side hustle? So I, I run this difficult balance because I love doing it. I get so much out of it. That's professionally, that's the most rewarding piece of what I do. And it was never enough to support my family because like, 
you know, aside from living in a nice place and, you know, not wanting to disrupt like my, what my son's life looks like and we're all going to go live in, in our car for the next year or whatever. Um, I also, we've got a lot of medical bills and we've got a lot of non-medical, um, but health related costs around like food and, and whatnot for my wife to be where she's at. Um, and so that has a pretty high bar earnings wise that I think that's been the toughest thing. I talked to John Vroman about this in his show, like making that leap. Um, for a lot of people, that's, I think that's the hardest part. Like whether you're into click funnels or not. Yeah. Like that's a, that's a moment of pause for me. And like, is this, is this something I want to do? But the bigger question is like, do you have the, um, like the strength in yourself and are you willing to put the hard work in so that you can literally put the rest of your life at risk to be able to make this thing that you love so much full time. Um, that's the hardest part of the whole thing. And so I, I'm a big fan of the side hustle because you can test the waters and you can build you still have that protection, but at some point you're going to face a leap. Yeah, I love where you're going with this because I I also happen to be in the middle of producing a mini series called How yes. to Freelance. Yeah. For me personally to uh start freelancing back in early very early 2016, at that time I had already been side hustling. But January 1st, 2016, that's when I went all out to say I'm going freelancing full-time now. I don't have any full-time job or like a consistent income at that point, but I also didn't really have the sort of the the sort of the barriers and and the things that you have to deal with. But we all have some and there's, and, and some people are more okay with making that leap and leaping without a parachute. And some people will never make that leap. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And all of those answers are okay. Yeah. Yeah. But if you really have passion for it and you love what you're doing, you can test the waters. It doesn't have to be all or nothing, but just recognize like there, there could well be a reckoning where you're going to have to make that call. And, I have yet to meet anyone who's taken the leap, who's been like, it was the biggest mistake of my life. They might've gone through tough times. They might've been like, you know, I ended up selling my house or my car or my this, but in hindsight, now look where I'm at. I'm so thankful I did that. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's really fascinating that I find sort of my own upbringing has always been uh, for my generation is get a full-time job. Whoever you date or marry, better have a full-time job, a house, cars, where all these things paid for. Then you can consider not freelancing, but you know, relaxing a little bit at your full-time job. But I, I, I finally kind of gave myself the permission to go all out and just to kind of see how I, how I feel. And uh, I, I realized a lot, other, a lot of other people are more worried about me than I worried about myself. And uh, you know, people at work, it's like, you could always come back. And then send me, sending me these books, I was really interesting. Like you said, once you make that decision, it's actually a lot less scary than when you're anticipating as you were approaching that that goal or that lifestyle. Sometimes having a plan B is what holds you back. Um, so you hear a lot about that. There's a there's an amazing um, spinal surgeon who mostly doesn't operate. He usually talks patients out of getting the surgery and he has a whole non-surgical path that is a lot of like meditation, dealing with your trauma. Like he believes most of our back problems and whatnot are actually rooted in ourselves and our emotional issues, not in the physical. Um, But he's like, if you want to give my program a try, you have to commit to never having surgery. Because if you're sitting there being like, well, and if this doesn't work, I'll just have them cut my back open. 
that's always in the back of your head and you will never be all in and you have to be all in in this or it won't work. Yeah, exactly. Great that you can go back to your job. And is that keeping you from being 100% in it? Yeah, yeah. I, I think exactly the commitment. And then you learn, once the commitment is there, you learn to work it out pretty quickly. I think two things that made a big difference for me is I have been saving money since I was 22. I tell people it was, it looked so insignificant. I remember I was putting maybe away $100, $80, $100 every paycheck, which is, I know is a lot of money for a lot of people. But for me at the time, I was like, there was a little calculator that says, when you're 35, 30, 35, you're going to accumulate this much. I'm like, this is such a joke. This will never happen. Like I'll have $8,300. Yeah, exactly. Why am I doing this? Exactly. It's like, what? Or, you know, sometimes you're being more aggressive. The approach is like, really? Would I? Yeah, if you invest it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I did that. And I re- looking back, I was like, wow, that is incredible. I mean, I, I, I do appreciate that I'm very, I have great relationships with people who are Jewish and who have taught me everything about finance that my parents taught me nothing about zero. So I was more comfortable to realize that, okay, in order to run a sustainable business, you can't just have clients who pay you $50, $100, right? For every, or even honestly, even $1,000, $2,000 per project, if you're trading your time for money, it's just not going to add up. So it's interesting. Like I, And that's when I realized over the years took me, oh my God, three and a half years, but wasn't until about two years into my career I start working on my other side hustles as you know more passive income, writing ebooks, creating courses. It you know it took time and it felt really hard because I was working on a full time 40, 50, 60 hours already for these hourly rate clients. Um, and then to find that buffer time to create something else was another leap I had to make. So it goes back to self-love. Like everyone I've every coach I've talked to when we talked about their rates. There's like, well, I don't think I can charge them that because it's just me. And I'm like, what's your time worth? Can you feed yourself and your family on whatever that? No. And it's like, and you're saying you're overbooked. So you're, you're not charging enough and they're taking advantage of you. And they're, you know, going like over by an hour and not, and you're not charging them for that. Or they're canceling last minute and you're not living by your cancellation policy because you can't get other money right now. Like you're not taking from them and they kept you from earning it elsewhere. How are you paying your rent? But if you don't value yourself enough, like you're not going to stand so by true. Like, my time's worth it. Exactly. And you, that's when you realize who are the good versus the really bad clients and yeah. how to say no, stand up for yourself and say no to the people. That's not a good fit. You can say that in a very artistic way, of course, but having those choices is just so important. Or develop the alternatives. Like I have the book. So like if you, you know, if you don't have the time to do the coaching or it's, it's out of your price range, you have $9 or $10 or whatever, or like the ebook for like four bucks. Yeah. So you do that. Um, and for me, it was also like, I want to touch more people than I could ever do, even if I coach 24 seven. So that's, that's the reason I wrote the book. It's not about selling the ideas, but there are ways to get there. And it's like, you got your courses, like that's cheaper than hiring you on as a coach or mentor or, you know, consultant or whatever. It's like there are ways that you can still serve those people. You're not, you don't have to turn your back on them. You just need to make sure your time is actually adding to your own life as well. Because if you don't matter, you won't be here to serve them either. Yeah. That's, I, I love how, how you said that. But thank you so much for your time, Brian. I think I also want to thank Michael O'Brien for introducing us. Yeah. 
And uh, what? how could people find more about you and also your books? Um, so they can go to brianfalchuk.com slash Faye. <laughs> oh, good. Thank you so much, Brian. Talk to you soon. All right, take care. Okay. Hi there, it's me again. I want to thank you very much for listening to this episode and I hope you were able to learn a few things. If you enjoy what you heard, it will be hugely helpful if you could subscribe to the Face World podcast. It literally takes seconds. If you're on your mobile phone, just search for Face World podcast in the podcast app on iPhone or an Android app such as Podcast Addict and click subscribe. All new episodes will be delivered to you automatically. Thanks so much for your support.